Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, NFL draftniks, fantasy footballers, geeks, geezers, skeezers, weirdos, we come here to unite. This is Roster Watch. This is Quentin Copos, and this is Roster Watch. Hey, this is Kirk Cousins live at the Senior Bowl with Roster Watch. This is Melvin Ingram, and we're at the Senior Bowl listening to Roster Watch. This is Jack Del Rio, and this is Roster Watch on ESPN Radio, Austin. Hey, this is Chris Polky listening to Roster Watch on ESPN Radio, Austin. Hey, this is Brandon Whedon, and you're watching Roster Watch. I am here with the very talented Mr. Isaiah Pete, uh, Big East Offensive Player of the Year. I'm here with Vic Carucci, Senior Editor, Cleveland Browns. I am here with Boise State running back Doug Martin. This is Rick Spielman, General Manager of the Minnesota Vikings, and you're listening to Roster Watch. about the NFL the same way we do. The speed, the sickness, the accuracy, the precision, the quickness. We love it. We know you love it. This is off-season action. This is Roster Watch. My name is Alex Dunlap. I'm here as always with my co-captain, Byron Lambert, joining us for our special off-season editions of these Roster Watch podcasts that so many thousands of you listen to is Mr. Mike Loico, anypatriotsdraft.com. Very excited to have him on board tonight. We are going to turn things over, as always, to Captain Ron, steering this ship. What's going on in free agency? We got one hand on the wheel and, 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 and the wind whipping through our hair. It's been a wild, wild free agency so far. It's been high speed. Alex is exactly right. This is a special free agent edition of Roster Watch. We bring the fantasy football expertise... Our good friend Mike Wicko brings all of the personnel expertise on every team in the NFL. It's like a supernova inside a black hole. It's an anomaly. You find it nowhere. We bring our listeners this football synergy of mass proportions that has never been seen in this universe before. The biggest, biggest thing that strikes us in free agency was how crazy it was on the wide receiver market. It was unbelievable. It was like light speed. And, and these were big big names some of these guys and it's been dry as a mud hole <laughs> a the, texas mud on hole the, on a texas mud hole on the running back market it's been it's been an unbelievable and the difference in the two uh it could have a little bit to do with the markets available but uh it, it goes to show the importance of game changers big playmakers that's what people are looking for and free agency is the time when your team has the opportunity to make player acquisitions with some degree of certainty Yes, they might overpay, and that could set them back years, but it's, they have more information than they do going into the draft, and this is now what sets them up for draft season. So let's get started. Alex, let's talk the big-name wide receivers that have been acquired. Vincent Jackson has departed from the San Diego Chargers and landed uh, on the other coast in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Uh, Where do you see this going? Uh, obviously, it was a move financially that was highly suitable for him, uh, $55 million. He... He's a guy who you know can be worth it when he's on top of his game. And he's the kind of guy who, with a quarterback that has a big arm, a guy that can make the throws, he can be good in that offense, I think. You got guys like, you know, 
Mike Williams and, you know, I think like Sammy Strader and some of these other guys, you know, from last year that had been such such role players, you know, to bring up a guy like VJax in there to pay him the $55.55 million because Josh Freeman's number five goes to show they have a lot of confidence in him bombing that ball down to him. And he's a guy who you, you got to, you, you you know, with the with the signing of, with the signing of Vjax, with the signing of a of a guy like Nix, you know, you gotta really love the at least the dedication that they're showing right now. Vin- Vincent Jackson is a big time receiver. You know, they play in a division where you've got to score a lot of points. Josh Freeman has a rocket of an arm. Like I said when I brought it in, you need players that threaten defenses. Vincent Jackson scares defenses. You have to account for him. You have to double team him. So you got to pay big bucks for a guy like this. On the fantasy front, I really don't expect his numbers to be as big as we used to see in San Diego there for a few years. I don't think I don't think that that offense is going to be mature enough to actually uh, cater to him in that fashion. But I do think he's going to provide them with a weapon that they sorely, sorely need. Right, and let's just let, let's not forget also that last season, Vincent Jackson had the. Two, the, the combination of the two worst injuries that a fast-cut wide receiver can have together in the hamstring and in the ab because the, because the two are connected through the lumbar section of your lower spine. And so if one gets aggravated and the other one you're trying to compensate for, they make up for it. You know, we had the lackluster season last year. A couple big games for fantasy owners. A couple, uh, one, one three-touchdown monster, two two-touchdown monsters. But... A lot of waiting around. We forget about the VJAX of old. He could be great in Tampa. Well, the, and the one, and Mike, I want to get you to comment on this because it's a big, big sign. And the one other thing I'd mention, mention is that, you know, a lot of people were knocking the signing for Vincent Jackson being 29 years old and that having a lot of mileage on the tires already, which that is true. But the fact is, most of the really, really good receivers that we've seen, their peak was in their late 20s and early 30s. So I think they're getting him right in the sweet spot of his career. Uh, Mike, how do you how do you see this affecting the division? How do you see this affecting the draft? What do you, what do you, what do you think is going to happen for Tampa now with Vincent Jackson? Well, Tampa had a ton of money they just had to spend. They needed to spend money just to get to the the cap floor. So I expected them to make a splash. And we heard all the rumors leading up that they were going after Jackson. I mean, fifty five million dollars is a lot for any wide receiver. Eleven and a half million dollars a year. I mean, if you look at Vincent Jackson's numbers. He's getting paid like a number, a top three receiver in the league. And, and looking at his numbers, the most receptions he's ever had in a year is 68. The mo- he's never broken 1,200 yards receiving in a year. He's never had more than nine touchdowns in a year. And I'm pretty sure his numbers aren't going to get much better playing in Tampa Bay. He's coming from that San Diego system where they throw the ball 30, 40, 50 times a game some games. And he was the beneficiary of a lot of that, playing in that North Turner offense. Now he's going to a system in Tampa Bay. We're not really sure what kind of offense or what their plan is going to be yet. But I can't see him having as big a numbers as that. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I wouldn't pick him in the top three or four rounds. You know, I view him more as a guy that you're going to pick up for touchdowns. And he's really boom or bust. He has some games like... Uh, you guys said where he has three touchdowns, but then he'll go on streaks where he doesn't score any for three or four games. I think it's a good move for Tampa Bay. Listen, they needed playmakers all over that team. You know, he was probably the best 
uh, free agent wide receiver out there that wasn't restricted if you take Mike Wallace out of the equation. So it's a lot of money. Tampa Bay had a lot of money to spend. It's definitely going to help Mike Williams if you're looking at fantasy value. Now he gets to be manned up on the number two cornerback and single coverage. He really struggled last year, predictably so. And, you know, but like with all wide receivers, their value is tied to the quarterback position. And if Josh Freeman can't take the next step, then Vincent Jackson's not going to, you know, put up the numbers that are expected of him. Well, this is what I would say is that of the whole situation, I would actually think of all the people that may benefit, it may be Josh Freeman's fantasy stock who benefits the most from the acquisition of Vincent Jackson. Sounds like we can all agree that he's going to be a good fit, but we need to lower our, our fantasy football expectations for his production going into next year, uh, be kind of modest about it. A, a guy who is also of the same ilk of big, big-time receiving skill, whose stock is probably headed in the other direction, in my opinion, is Brandon Marshall. Chicago did not acquire him necessarily off of the free agent market, but he was traded to them during the free agent period. This is a huge, huge signing. Uh, Chicago finally got their quarterback a couple years ago in Cutler. They've just been dearly lacking in the wide receiver and playmaker department. And You know, Marshall's a big-time guy. We've seen it out of him. He's a little bit of a malcontent. He does have some personality issues, but he is familiar with Cutler, so... Uh, I see his stock on the rise. I think this is a big move for Cutler and for Brandon Marshall. Well, it's, it's the first signing of the post, you know, the post Jerry Angelo era, which should be a good sign for for Bears fans. And it was a and it was at a position of great need. Talking to Bears scouts at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine, it seemed like they were the scouts that were most in tune, the ones who had the best notes about these different wide receivers. So you could get the you could get the real feeling being around these organizations kind of for what it was they were targeting and you know like the chiefs you, you got the real the real feeling that they were char- that, that, that they would be targeting a, a a running back in free free agency which we'll get to with the bears it was very obvious that they were looking hard at wide receivers in this draft and hoping to get one in free agency i don't think they could have done any better than brandon marshall they're wide rec- they don't have a wide receiver on their squad right now that's over six feet tall. He's big, he's tall, he's a long body, he's a possession receiver that can get up, high point of ball, and get yards after catch. Plus, he's had the biggest year of his career playing with Jay Cutler. So I think it's a huge, huge I, I, I see Marshall probably, re- realistically, I would probably draft him around the fourth round because his production has been down the last few years but he does have upside so if you really want him he might be like you might have to take him in the third and round probably mid uh, I, I, you know we haven't seen too many too many mock drafts yet there will be one soon yeah on but, but, but it's I would say right now you know where, where I would look at Brandon Marshall is if I went running back quarterback first two rounds something like this you know, I would be comfortable with him as a number one wide wide receiver that I would have to take at the end of the third. Very low end wide number one wide receiver with high upside. I'd peg him next year. The thing with him is his receptions are going to go up. He's going to have more receptions. I'd peg him for eighty receptions plus next year, twelve hundred yards and eight nine touchdowns. Pretty good year. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, from just an on-the-field perspective, it's a, it's a great move for the Bears. They sorely lacked a wide receiver, you know, that can stretch the field, that can make plays. All their wide receivers kind of marginal talents. Um, if anybody can keep Brandon Marshall on the straight and narrow and, you know, uh, take the best out of him, it's Jay Cutler. I mean, both those guys' best days came when they were playing together in Denver. 
Uh, they're in a new offense with Mike, uh, Mike Marks being shown the door in Chicago. I think Marshall, if he can keep, you know, his personality disorder under control and, you know, now there's some new thing where he punched out some woman in a bar or something. So he's got all these off the field problems, but from a strictly on the field, you know, situation looking at it, it's a pretty good move. I mean, I don't think the Bears can be done at wide receiver position. They still need, you know, a slot receiver. You know, if Michael Floyd there or somebody like that, I think they got to take a hard look. And they need to upgrade that offensive line, and, you know, they want to go after a defensive end as well. But, you know, it's a great move for the Bears. They needed another wide receiver. They didn't have to pay too much, giving up two third-round picks. You know, it's all going to be dependent on how Brandon Marshall behaves off the field and if he can keep his borderline personality disorder in check. The other headliner of the wide receiver signings, uh, probably just because the money that had been thrown around and its connection to the Peyton Manning saga and also the Robert Griffin III trade by the Redskins was the Pierre Garçon signing. Uh, definitely classic Daniel Snyder. Looks like an overpayment, but personally, I'd have very moderate fantasy expectations, maybe a 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns, but I do like what he's going to bring to their offense. I think you put him, Santana Moss, Josh Morgan, Fred Davis together. That's a nice set of weapons for Robert Griffin III to step right into. And I do believe when you add RG3 and Pierre Garçon all in one offseason, your offense has gotten a lot faster, and we know speed kills in the NFL. So I think it's a good acquisition from a football perspective for the Reds. Well, as far as the personnel that they have right now, I, I, I think it makes sense. I do think that they overpaid for Pierre Garçon. I do not think that he's the caliber of player that deserves a you know a top you know, a top 10 contract at the position in, in this league. But he is fast. Like you mentioned, he does bring a lot of speed to the offense, and the offense is going to need a lot of speed. Uh, not to mention that they will have pretty pretty good wide receiver targets across the entire gamut, along with a running back in Roy Hulu that emerged last season as a guy that could really get inside, going on those interior seams underneath the linebackers when they had to drop into coverage to account for other guys and catch sometimes, you know, nine receptions, ten receptions against the San Francisco 49ers. He had 14 receptions, had a PPR fantasy monster that game, even though he didn't, you know, of course, didn't get over 100 yards rushing. Uh, So, you know, as far as the way that it will help the Redskins to utilize what what offensive weapons they have coming in and what they have been leaning on prior, I like it. Is it a flashy signing? No, I I don't really think it's flashy, but I do think it represents a little bit of a commitment to what they're going to be doing for Robert Griffin III. I think it had a little flash. It was a little Snyder-ish. You think it had some flash? I just, I I don't... Mike, real quick, your thoughts on Garcon and Washington? I just, I can't, like you said, it's a typical Washington Redskins move. They try to win the Super Bowl on the first day of free agency. I don't know how you can give (laughs) Pierre Garcon $8 million a year. He's never been more than a number two. His catch percentages with Peyton Manning are horrendously low. He drops more balls than anybody, almost anybody in the league. You know, he just hasn't proven that he's a number one wide receiver. Now he's going to a situation where, for as good as we think Robert Griffin's going to be, he's still going to be a rookie. He's still going to go through those rookie struggles. And, you know, his value is, you know, going to be minimal, I think. And if you're speaking from a pure, true football perspective, I think this is a deal that could really come back and fit the Redskins down the road. $8 million for a wide receiver like that is just way too much money. You look at what the New England Patriots did with uh, Brandon Marshall, somebody that's been more consistent over the last two years. 
and they get him for a quarter of the price. You know, it's just it's typical Washington Redskins stuff. And then the other here, speaking of the wide receivers, the other thing that really, really stuck out here was there was three teams who were extremely active. And you know, Mike, I'd like you to comment in a minute on how this may affect the uh, draft strategies, what this might have said about the draft. Uh, you know, anything on that front, Alex? Real quick, I want to I want to talk to you. Uh, New England, San Francisco, and San Diego were all very specifically busy on the wide receiver market. New England bringing in Brandon Lloyd, Anthony Gonzalez, and Dante Stallworth. Uh, I like, from a football perspective, I like the the Stallworth move. They're familiar with him. Get a guy that can kind of at least stretch the defense. Anthony Gonzalez, I think he's I think he's a perfect type of player for their system. He was. Due to injury, got a little derailed in Indianapolis, lost a little playing time when guys like Garcon and Austin Colley did emerge and took his playing time away. But he showed good skills when healthy, kind of, you know, you hate to say Welkerish, but in that mold. And then Brandon Lloyd, you know, I thought last year he was continued to be a low-end number one receiver in fantasy football even after the trade to St. Louis. He was locked him up for 10 receptions a game, 80 yards plus, and a lot of times a touchdown. I actually think his value goes down a little bit in New England, even though I think he's a great fit there. I would peg Brandon Lloyd as a high-end uh, number two wide receiver or like a number two wide receiver with upside heading into next year. Yeah, well, the, the one thing I'll say, and it's a good thing we have Mike on the phone for this because he'll have a lot to say. Uh, what I'll say, though, is that um, as far as Brandon Lloyd, we love him. He's Spider-Man. We think he's absolutely sick. If you listen to the radio show, you listen to the podcasts, you see our wide receiver rankings in, in fantasy football, which are top 10 in the world out of the top 76 experts as, as monitored by a third-party agency. But you, you'll see that we're, we're very consistently high on Brandon Lloyd and, you know, in the situations he's been in. This situation is different. You look at it. You see it's – all right, the Patriots – Last season, the way that I saw it, they had their passing game take place through the intermediate lanes. They 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 did their passing through the middle of the field. Uh, they were obviously looking for somebody who could stretch the field, who could be a game breaker. You know, Brandon Lloyd can be that guy, and 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 he's going to be in there in sets. But they've drafted, or they've they've from the, from the way that they've drafted, and from the people who they brought in via this free agency, it's a little bit more of this. Belichick kind of chess piece stuff where you get a bunch of guys who are good in little situational things where you don't know. Are they going to put in Welker? Are they going to put in Gonzalez? Are they going to put them both in? Are they going to put one in the H, one in the slot? Are they going to go trips on one side with some of these guys? There's a lot of mismatches to be created in that passing game. And so I feel like if you go and get a guy like Dante Stallworth, I mean, he's a guy who can situationally make you know big plays. Anthony Gonzalez, if if he can get back to form, apparently he's over the concussions. Hopefully, he did have the benefit of taking over a bit of a Brandon Stokely role with uh, Peyton Manning, but he's shown flashes. You can get these guys in, put them in different spots, manipulate the game, manipulate the game plan, and take the game plan to your opponent. I think that's a little bit more of what Belichick will be doing, which is not necessarily as good for fantasy owners looking for rock-solid production out of a stud like Brandon Lloyd. What do you think, Mike? Well, just going back to the three wide receivers that they did sign, and then I'll get talk about Lloyd for a minute. You know, Lloyd's really the only one that's guaranteed to make the roster. The other guys are 
you know, low-risk, high-reward guys. Gonzalez, if he's healthy, I think it's a good signing. He struggled to stay healthy the last three years, but he's still only 27, 28 years old. And, you know, he was a fast guy coming out of uh, school. The Patriots want to add some speed to the outside, especially at the receiver core. They need to get a little bit faster. And I think this is where, you know, if he, if he's healthy, it might work out. If not, they only paid him $700,000, not guaranteed. So there's no uh, risk there. Stallworth, it's a guy that's very familiar with the offense. He played in the system in 2007, had pretty production. Patriots had a record-breaking year. So that's a guy that, you know, he's going to come in, know the system. Tom Brady is really uh, familiar with him. They're on the same page. So, you know, as a number four or five receiver, that it, that's a fine. It doesn't bother me. No guarantees even on the roster. What You know, if you look at the Patriots moves in free agency, and then I'll get to Brandon Lloyd, they're really, you know, they're adding depth at all these positions, veteran depth. They're creating, uh, you know, competition. They're really stocking up to go for it these next three years with Brady. And with Lloyd, you know, it's just such a perfect fit for him. Uh, Josh McDaniels just knows how to use him perfectly. Really revived his career in Denver. And Brandon Lloyd said that that's where he wants to be, and he really took a discount to come to the Patriots. Probably could have got more money elsewhere, maybe on a two- or three-year deal. You know, maybe could have got five or six million, but he's really playing for four million dollars a year. He's going to give Tom Brady that outside the numbers receiver. Boy, he's got probably top. You know, he might have the best hands in the NFL. He makes such acrobatic catches, has thick body control. He can go up and get it. You know, he's not necessarily the vertical threat that's going to stretch the field, but in the intermediate, you know, he can run a variety of different routes and just take the pressure off of Wes Welker and those tight ends. From a fantasy perspective, I don't expect him to put up huge, huge numbers. He'll probably get close to 1,000 yards, seven or eight touchdowns. But it's just adding another weapon to the arsenal. You know, pick your poison with the Patriots offense. They're going to beat you somehow, especially with Tom Brady. And then finally, um, well, regarding to the draft, I don't think this precludes the Patriots from picking a wide receiver in the draft. I think they'll actually target a big uh, physical receiver, maybe somebody like a Brian Quick in the second round, Stephen Hill possibly, but I know they like Brian Quick, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's somebody like that in the second round for that vertical, deep threat, red zone body. Well, we all think that the Patriots are in no man's land with that second pick in the first round. Is that is that potential Stephen Hill territory? You know, I don't know. I don't know if they like Hill. He doesn't really fit their M.O. He's really raw. I think they'd want somebody a little bit more polished, although Quick is kind of raw, too. I think they're going to pick a wide receiver in the first three rounds. I'm not sure which one. I would assume that's going to be an outside-the-numbers receiver, somebody that, you know, gives them a red zone threat. Um, The only name I've heard from some people is that they, they like Brian Quick. I'm not sure how much they like him. But that's just a name to keep in mind. With the Patriots, you never know. Just when you think, you know, why would they have to pick a receiver, they pick another one. So just because they go out and make these signings doesn't preclude them from picking, you know, a wide receiver at 27, at 31, at 63. They'll pick one. Well, and Brian Quick's a guy who we've spotlighted and, and loved from Appalachian State this entire time. You can go to rosterwatch.com and see everything that we've written about Listen him. Listen to our interview with him. Live our interview with him, do, you know, live videos during wide receiver drills. Uh, it, so he could be good. He's not anybody that they'll reach for with that second pick. In the first Real round. quick, guys, let's wrap up here with the other two teams that really hustled on the wide receiver market. San Francisco, 
they went and got uh, Randy Moss uh, and uh, Mario Manningham. I like it. I think Moss gives them, you know, the the threat on the outside. He's got he's got a big reputation that precedes him. That automatically earns you a little respect from the defense, and he's a red zone threat. And then I think you get the Manningham, who's kind of your kind of your scat guy, kind of your slot guy. He can also get deep on the outside. And then you have a, a Crabtree as your as your possession receiver. And then in the amongst all that, you got Vernon Davis. Yeah, yeah. Who can, and Crabtree is basically, who would have thought that Crabtree would just turn into the uber kind of, you know, transformer machine of a possession receiver. But it's just the it's 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 how it's worked out for him. He's turned out great. He's a possession receiver with huge upside to go over the top. I like to fit with Manningham. I've never been a huge real fan of Manningham and the pros. Loved him in college. He's been really prone to making a lot of bad drops. But, you know, with this kind of deal, he's never really played with it. Uber talented tight end you know he's never so I don't know I think it's a nice blend of receivers that complement each other I for fantasy purposes I'm not necessarily hot on any of these guys I think it's too many mouths to feed with Alex Smith being the one throwing the rock around Peyton Manning would have been another story um San Diego they filled a couple spots they picked up Robert Meacham uh, who's formerly with New Orleans uh they also got Eddie Royal so it looks like they're trying to add some Interesting. They usually have everybody of the Malcolm Floyd, Vincent Jackson mold. These, you know, Vincent Brown. These big, big frame guys. It seems like they went with two guys who are a little more athletic, maybe a little more agile, trying to add a little speed and quickness. Uh, Norv Turner came out and said he believes Robert Meacham has the skills to be a number one in the NFL. I'm not sold on it. I wouldn't. I'm not. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't probably be drafting Robert Meacham unless in my fantasy draft, unless it was at the very end and I was taking a flyer. Well, it's just the you know, it's the whole Robert Meacham conundrum that you know we've had the whole time. Obviously, with the Saints, it was a different deal because there were so many weapons there. Yes, you know, he's a he's a great player. He does have the ability to get vertical on people. But I think that they really love Vincent Brown there. I think that you know the moves that they made really, really show that. Um, you know, as far as Eddie Royal, I don't really see that being any kind of thing that anybody needs to keep an eye on, as a, except for you know opposing teams that are that are facing you know the Chargers. It's not anything that's going to have any fantasy relevance, as far as I see. Mike, what do you think? Going back to the 49ers quickly, the Randy Moss thing. You know, on paper it should work out. He's been away from football for a year, and then in 2010, quit on the Patriots, quit on the Vikings, quit on the Titans. He said he's committed. We'll see if he is. Um, Mario Manningham, I'm not a Mario Manningham fan. Um, people have this perception that he's, or maybe he just has the perception that he's a number one wide receiver, and he's not. He's nothing more than a number three. Like Alex said, he drops a ton of balls. This year, he was a tremendous disappointment in fantasy. And, in, and to the Giants up until the playoffs. He really disappeared to the end of the year. He had a chance, you know, with the team Knicks being banged up. But, you know, Victor Cruz stepped in, really took all the targets away from him. So, you know, I'd say Moss probably has more value just because of his potential. Manningham is more of a number three for me. I still think the 49ers need a slot wide receiver. Maybe they pick one up later in the draft. And then San Diego, Meacham's an interesting guy because – Somebody's going to get those targets in San Diego. We know how North Turner loves to throw the ball. Vincent Jackson's gone. Malcolm Floyd can't stay healthy. Antonio Gates, same thing. He can't stay healthy. So 
Robert Meacham, Robert Meacham's going to get a ton of targets. You know, I think he's going to have probably his career best season. I'm not sure if he's going to put up Vincent Jackson numbers. And then Eddie Royal, you know, he's another guy that can't stay healthy. He's a slot receiver, special teams guy. Not a big fan of Eddie Royals, but Robert Meacham's going to get some targets and probably will have a decent year. Roster Watch listeners, followers, and fans, there's been so much good information. This podcast is reaching critical mass. Before the fantasy football universe explodes, we are out.